The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless." Religion is that pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Um, Thank you so much for the truth and the freedom it brings. And uh, God, we should pray for uh, Randall as he speaks. Lord, empower him. Help us to hear from you. uh, Open our hearts to hear your word. And ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks, Ethan. All right, well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? All right, well, um, it was great. The past couple days we were on the men's retreat, and it was a lot of fun. Um, we got a few pictures. We got some pictures. No? No pictures? Got to have pictures of this stuff. It actually happened. We were there. Um, but uh, I was talking with Matt, who's our uh, GC men uh, leader, and it was funny because he got out there and, and this, there was like a room of like 100 guys. Uh, we're, we're part of a network of multiple churches that are church plants that, that want to see Jesus lifted up. And, and so Matt is our men's leader and he gets up there and he's, you know, talking and I'm over there like taking pictures and we go outside for the big men's picture. And I, I said, Matt, I, I hope it wasn't weird that I was taking pictures of you, man. But I, I just want to share with you, I feel a little bit like, you know, like a proud dad that's kind of like taking pictures as like, you know, you're just seeing people growing in their relationship with Christ, taking leadership positions, doing great things in, in Jesus' name. And, um, and that's how I feel because, you know, when it talks about the, the role of a, of a pastor in Ephesians chapter 4, it's, it's not the pastor there to build themselves up, but is they are there to build up the body of Christ. So my job is to build you up so you continue to grow and mature in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my job. That's what God put me here for. And so I loved seeing that as we all came together at the men's retreat. And, um, you know, and over this, this uh, summer, I'm excited because some of the guys that are here, um, I've been working with, and they're going to be preaching in this series in James throughout the summer. So look out. They're coming. It's going to be awesome. All right. Hey, there's a few pictures. There we go. So it did happen. There's Trevor. He's laughing. He's having a great time. And... Uh, yeah, we played the can jam thing and we got anything else? We got the book of James. All right. So that's my sign. We're, we're here to jump into the book of James and that's our series right now. And I was reading a commentary by Sam Albury and he, he, he sets us up well when he's talking about the book of James. Now we've been going through that, uh, this book for 
this past month. And, um, and here's what he says about James. He says, this letter has persistently found its way into the hearts and affections of Christians through the ages. And it remains one of the most cherished books of the Bible. And so as we look at the book of James, we're studying all the way through from beginning to end this summer. We're going into August, but we're going verse by verse looking at this, this, this amazing book because we believe that it has the power to help us to see who God is and the power of the gospel to, to change our lives. Um, and so what we see in the book of James is there is some God-centered wisdom uh, that we're going to be able to learn as we face difficulties in life. You're going to face difficulties in life. And so that's why I think many of us can relate to this book is because we all have hard times. But James gives us practical, godly wisdom on how to get through. Uh, so our text today is James 1, 19 through 27, and the message is entitled, A Genuine Faith. A Genuine Faith. Now, if I say the words fake, fraud, shallow, pretentious, inauthentic, for many of us, those words make our skin crawl. But as research has been done about this generation, we are more prone to fall into scams and false news all the time. We're just prone to it. But really, our generation can't stand fake. And so what does that mean for our faith? Author David Kinnaman in his book, You Lost Me, writes... Millennials are not disillusioned with tradition. They are frustrated with slick or shallow expressions of religion. And the Bible tells us that God is just as frustrated with that type of religion. So much so that we find in Amos 5, 21 through 23, he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. God can't stand inauthentic faith. So what does God desire? Well, we find through scripture that God desires a real relationship with him. A genuine relationship with him from the heart. And so how does God cultivate that in our lives? It's through how we respond to his word. To his word. John Stott once said, we must allow the word of God to confront us to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. And as we've studied James 1, here's the thing. Through verses 1 through 18, James unashamedly addresses how we respond to trials and temptations. And now, in verses 19 through 27, he addresses how we respond to God's word. And so how do you respond to God's word? 
Again, sitting at the men's retreat this past week, the best part of the retreat was sitting back in these small groups and hearing how these guys around me were responding to what they were hearing from God's word. For them to say, I I vividly remember just sitting there, one of my friends saying, hey, what's my life gonna look like? And and, and what are my kids gonna say about me? And are they, what, what are they gonna say? Are they gonna say this, that I was a man who followed Jesus? Because it's that simple. That's simple. And he's like, that's what I want for my life. See, that's real. And that's what James 1, 19 through 27 is getting after here. He wants us to respond in a real and genuine way to God's word. Pastor and author David Platt on this text says, the journey of obedience is what James 1, 19 through 25 is all about. The word of God is all over this passage. It's referenced in verses 21, 22, 23, and 25. Not to mention verse 18 from the previous section. Today's passage in James should cause us serious introspection in our lives and move us to the question, where am I disobeying God right now and where am I disregarding his word? And so let's break down this text into three ways we can genuinely grow in our faith, push away that fakeness, that falseness, and become real people as we approach God's word. And so here are three ways in which James tells us we can do that. The first one is this, to number one, humbly receive. Humbly receive. Number two, honestly reflect. And number three, wholeheartedly respond. Humbly receive, honestly reflect, wholeheartedly respond. So the first point is uh, humbly receive. And we can find this in verses 19 through 21. And so I'm gonna read these verses here. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so I wanna break down this portion of the text in two ways. First, look at verses 19 and 20. It says that we need to know something, and he calls us beloved brothers. He says, let everyone, uh, every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Uh, the, the anger of man does not produce, does not, it doesn't come out of it, the, the righteousness of God. And so I want to first narrow down on this word beloved, beloved. Do you believe that you are God's beloved? If you are in Christ, do you believe that you are his beloved? Because this is, this is really important before we jump into everything because this is where it really gets messed up for people as they read the book of James. It's the reason why, you know, even, even great thinkers like Martin Luther looked at the book of James and said, ah, it's just an epistle of straw. It's not like Galatians and Romans and all these other things because, you know, it's just hard to see the gospel in here. But it's right there in that simple word, beloved. Have you humbly received that you are God's beloved? Because this is the gospel message. 
that you and I can receive that we are God's beloved because of the finished work of Jesus. You know, for many of us, we think that our lives are wrapped up in how am I earning God's love? How am I earning God's favor? How am I, I earning some type of attention from God? Because that's how I feel like my life is meant to be. But that's not the gospel message. The message is that you are God's beloved because God has looked at you as you have received Christ as if you did everything that Jesus did. That should be shocking. See, this is the same words used by God the Father when he looked upon Jesus at his baptism. As God the Father looks at Jesus as he's being baptized, he says this, he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. As I thought about this and was talking with a friend this week, he's like, do you see that God sees you as a beloved child of his just like he did Jesus? See, how are you and I declared righteous before a holy God? How are you and I looked upon as a child of the king? It's because we are covered by the saving work of Jesus. And so when God looks at you, he says, you're my beloved. And, and when James uses these words, he's very intentional because like we've said before, he is technically the brother of Jesus. And now he's gospeling our hearts. You and I are beloved because when God looks at us, he sees the work of Jesus, not our work, because our work was paid for on the cross. See, have you received that you are God's beloved? Romans 10, one through four says this, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for, for them is that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Here's the knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. You know what God's righteousness is? Humbly receiving the message of Jesus in our life, that God is the one who saves us. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Beloved. So when you look in the mirror and when you wake up in the morning, could you look in the mirror and say, okay, because of what Jesus has done for me, I am a son or daughter of the king. I'm God's child. He loves me. How do you know he loves you? It's because he paid the ultimate price at great expense to himself. That's why I am a beloved child of God. See, if you don't, hear this, you will completely misuse and misinterpret the rest of what James is about to say. Because there is a danger to look at this text and say, okay, God, God loves me when I obey him. He loves me when I'm a doer of the word. But you gotta start with, I'm beloved because of everything that Christ has done. God is pleased with me because of everything that Jesus has done. He loves us. He's not condemning us because he already condemned his son. See, this is the gospel. 
That's the starting place that we all have to come to. That's how God treats us. And so next, as we are beloved in Christ, commentator uh, Craig Blomberg says this about the next phrase. He says, quick to hear can also be translated, hurry up and listen. There's something really important that James is about to say. He says, are you listening? First off, in Jesus, you are beloved. God is pleased with you. This is the gospel. That's the start. But now, secondly, look at verse 21. He's, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James says two things here. He says, first, put away, put away, and then receive. First, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. How do you do that? It's when you see that you are filled with weakness, wickedness, and it's rampant. It's the hard truth about ourselves. Like, how do you put this away? You gotta see that it's actually in there. You gotta see that it's in your heart. You gotta see that you're capable of this. Uh, I, I told you guys in the past that my son has been doing martial arts. And so in January, he became a part of this demo team that really pushes him to get better. One of the things is they tell him, they say from the beginning, they're like, you have to practice every single day. You have to practice every day. And this past week, my son had this practice and he walked out devastated. Here's the reason. The reason is because he was exposed. He was exposed. He hadn't been practicing. And here's what happened. The coach called him out. And she said, hey, I can tell that you're not practicing and here's the reasons why. And he had like the worst practice he'd ever had. And he looked at me and he's got tears in his eyes and he had to face the truth about himself. He's not as good as he thought he was. See, here's the thing. He walks in there and he's got natural talent and abilities, but he had to do something, right? He had to continue to stretch and, and work hard and all these things to get better. But he had to face the truth about himself in that moment. And he's like, dad, I'm so devastated right now. I want to give up. I want to quit. I'm done. We're not as good as we think we are. See, we, we have to hear the bad news that there is wickedness and it's rampant within us. We're not as good as we thought. You might say, well, yeah, I'm not that bad. But what if we looked at the tape? What if we looked at the tape from this past week, right? Like, what if there was an imaginary tape recorder or video that was watching you this past week and knew all your thoughts, knew everything that you did, and we said, okay, like, let's, let's see. Who's the first person who would say, yeah, I volunteer to put that up on the screen and let everybody watch because I had a good week. <laughs> I'm a good person. None of us would volunteer. None of us would. See, we have to see that there is rampant wickedness within us all. But... 
James calls us out and says, hey, I'm calling you out and saying, okay, this is real. This is in your life. But God has given you the grace to put on something different. To put on something different. To be better because of what God has done. You see, none of us could stand before a holy God in our own strength, in our own ability. No one. And so we need to put those things away. And he says, we need to receive the implanted word. What is the implanted word? It's the truth of the gospel. It's the message of Christ. It's the truth about Jesus. So what is the gospel? Well, Timothy Keller sums it up well when he says this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Okay, so as you see the truth about yourself, are you devastated? Are you discouraged? Because here's what we think. We think that growth happens when we're just looking down at ourselves. Man, I need to fix myself. I need to get myself better. But what the gospel says is lift up your head and look at Jesus because that's where growth is and you can actually look up and move forward in life. See, a lot of the conversation I had with my son was, okay, you realize you're not as good as you thought you were, but pick your head up and keep going because there's hope and I'm with you and I love you and we're gonna work through this together. You see, that's the goodness of God played out in real life. God, as we look at our sinfulness, says, look up, I'm with you, and I will help you get through. Could you humbly receive that into your heart and your life? See, how do you become a person with genuine faith? It's when you gospel yourself every day with the truth of God's word implanted in you and humbly receive it into your life. And here's the word. The the, the thing is, the word will ultimately, it will expose you, but it won't condemn you. It will convict you, right? It won't condemn you to the dust, say it's over, but ultimately it will lift you to the skies, because of Christ, because what he's, he's done for us. That's the implanted word within us. It is ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so could you humbly receive that today? Secondly, it says this or in verses 22 through 24, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. The second point is honestly reflect. Honestly reflect. On this text, commentator Sam Albury writes, he says, in the New Testament, God's word is described as a double-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12. As we read it, it cuts back on us. Whenever whenever you read your Bible, one of the things that happens is it shows you, you. Okay, so James now gives this picture of God's word being a mirror. 
It gives you the real you. It, it, it divides in ways that no other book can. But there is a reason that it's a mirror. It's not just meant to show you you. It's meant to show you the truth so that you can change. See, God doesn't want us to sit here in our sin and make excuses, but he wants us to repent, turn to him, trust him, and know that God can do much more in our lives than we give him credit for. And this happens through honest reflection. In verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, does your life honestly reflect a relationship with Jesus? When he says, be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourselves, he's saying, do you act upon what you know? See, one of the things right now, I've got little kids and one of our biggest struggles is that when mommy or daddy say something, it's not being heard. And so I took them for physicals this week. And, and here's the thing. They tested their hearing. <laughs> they tested their hearing. And, and here's the thing. They said that every one of my kids has perfect hearing. I was like, you sure? I mean, it gave me hope, but he was like, oh, praise God. You know, like, okay, we can work with this now because we've been wondering. Because there are moments where I will say things, it's like, dad's not even there. Mom's not even there. It's just carrying on with, with life. And, and so why do we say the things that we do? Why does mom and dad say the things that we do? Because we, we, we want our kids to be better. We don't want our kids to go out in the world and for people to look at them and say, whose kids are those? <laughs> they, they, they look foolish. What was going on with those little guys there? You know, somebody's got to speak into their life and help them out here. And so the same thing happens when, when God's children go out into the world. Do we listen to what he has to say? Or do we go out continually just foolish saying, yeah, I went to church on Sunday, but there's no change or transformation in our lives. See, do people think, wow, that person's different. And, and, and here's the thing, God's word, when you read God's word, it's, it's not gonna sugarcoat it for us, but it's gonna move us for our need for change. So we should be asking as we reflect on God's word this, has God's word affected my thinking, my attitude, my behavior? You know, I'm currently reading from the beginning of the year till now the book of Proverbs and it's challenging me every day. I read uh, Proverbs 15, 19 uh, this past week, just talking about thistles and thorns and, and how the sluggard makes life harder for themselves and how ultimately the, the sluggard wants to give up. And I'm telling you, I've been, I've been through some tough times. Like, you know, you, you think about the thistles and thorns. He's talking about the difficulties of life. And I thought to myself, this is really hard. And I can make decisions that can make this really a lot harder on myself or 
trust God through this. And I could see how it'd be easy in life to give up. See, many of you, you're facing like difficulties, trials, hardships, and you're just like, man, I'm just gonna throw up my hands. I'm gonna give up. But here's the thing about God's word. It keeps telling us, he's like, keep going. I'm with you. You're my beloved. I care about you. I see you. Don't give up. And so to grow a genuine faith, we must honestly reflect on God's word and say, okay, are we living life in a God-centered way where we say, okay, God, you're the center of the universe, not me, not me. Lastly, the third point is wholeheartedly respond. Verse 25 through 27 says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he would be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. What does it look like to wholeheartedly respond to God? Well, James tells us in verse 25 that it's by persevering. He says also in verse 25, to be a doer who acts. Verse 26 says someone that bridles their tongue. Verse 27 says they they visit orphans and widows. Keep oneself unstained from the world. Let me ask you this. What these things are are things that push us out of our normal. It pushes us beyond ourself. See, these are all things that he's naming that should push us out of our comfort zone. And so the way that we evaluate that is this. Are you a person that you would have not been on your own strength right now because of what God's doing in your life, not because of you? That's the reflecting that he asks us to, to have. That's the, the wholehearted response of, man, this isn't just something that I do on the outside, but something that's hit me and moved me to make me a different person. Again, talking with a friend, he said, you know, like we, we were sitting in a group and it was like, you know, many of us wear masks. We wear masks, but who are you when you're alone? Who are you when no one else is around? And is it genuine and real that you hear from God and listen to him? See, how does this happen? Well, verse 26 gives us a clue. It says the heart. It says your, your heart. You see, what is God's goal for our lives? It's not just that to behave right. It's to change us from the inside out. Back in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And listen to verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. You wanna know how you become a doer of the word? It's when it's not about you, but it's God doing it through you. We see that in Galatians, 
When he talks about uh, to the Galatians, he's like, you foolish Galatians, you think that you're going to go over there and follow God's commands on your own. You think that God saved you through his spirit, but you can't continue in the faith in the Holy Spirit that God gave you. Think you're going to do it on your own strength? No, you can't. See, continually the gospel points us to our insufficiency, our inability, yet to the sufficiency and ability of Christ. That's the gospel. That's the message of our lives. Do you feel right now that you're overwhelmed? You're at the end of your rope. You can't do it anymore. And this is just another burden if you don't see the gospel. Now James is telling me I'm a fake if I don't do it. No. He's telling you, hey, I am pushing you towards real faith. And here's real faith. You can't be a Christian without God. Sorry. It's impossible. See, God is not only after our behavior, he's after our heart. That's why it's a wholehearted response to God. It's the only way we can have a genuine faith in God. It's when God changes our heart and gives us the strength to obey his commands. You can't do it. He can. So that's why we lean into Christ. So just some quick takeaways to think on um, as we wrap up here. The first one is make time to listen to God's word. Make time to listen to God's word. So here's one of the challenges. The the challenge is, uh, you know, this, this summer is go through the book of James. Now you can do this in a couple ways. You can do this on your own. You can do this together with some friends. There are plenty of reading plans out there. I'm gonna make up a plan tonight. I'll put it on social media so that you guys throughout the summer, all the weeks that we're gonna be doing this can just read through it, right? If you wanna break it up into sections, get together with some people during the summer. But here's the thing, like we, we need God's word in our lives, Like there are mornings where I wake up and I'm just like, I can't make it through the day without reading God's word. I can't. And so it it matches up with what even Jesus says. Because Jesus says, you know, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How did Jesus fight off temptation in the wilderness? The word of God. And so again, like as a church, you're like, where do I start? Start with the book of James, look through here. We'll break it down for you, but like dig into it because for many of us, we say, man, I, I've just never dug into the word of God. I don't know how to read the word of God. Man, just start, start somewhere, right? And, and then God will build from there. See, I didn't grow up in the church. I just started somewhere. As a 17-year-old kid, just like, uh, Okay, where do I go? You know? And you just start. Start reading the gospel, start reading these different places. And so I, I really did start with James. It was like, okay, James seems like easy to, to read here. And so I'm just reading through it. And it matches up. I mean, James is probably the earliest book in the New Testament. So start there on your own, together with someone. But that's my challenge. Make time. And, I, and I'm intentional about saying that, make time, because it's not just going to be like, hey, this time's going to open up, or we're just going to make excuses of why we don't do it. So make time to listen to God's word and hear what he has to say. Humbly receive it. 
Uh, the next one is honestly evaluate yourself in light of the gospel. Honestly evaluate yourself in light of the gospel. That's how we view things, right? It's not like, oh man, I'm this, this is terrible person. I got to go fix myself. Here's 10 steps to make myself better. That's not the gospel. Gospel is, hey, look at myself. Look at that I am loved by God and lifted the sky. And now by God's grace, God can help me to be better tomorrow. Paul David Tripp says this. He says, remember, it is not your weakness that will get in the way of God's working through you, but your delusions of strength. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Point to his strength by being willing to admit your weakness. That's the whole point when he talks about, okay, like, this is the truth. Like, wickedness, all this stuff is real in our lives. He said, put it away and look to Christ. Look to the gospel. Look to his strength. Lastly, examine the fruit of your life. What is God producing that's coming out of you? Again, as I, as I look at this text, he's talking about our speech, the way that we talk, are words just coming out of our mouth or, or, or is there some type of difference that has come into our life where we just don't talk the same? We're not the same type of people. He's like, okay, look at your actions. Do your actions match up with what a life of, of someone who, who follows God looks like? And has God changed us so much that it pushes us out of our comfort zone to listen to his voice and become, again, people that, aren't about ourselves, but that's when it talks about like going to go visit orphans and widows and their affliction. He's talking about, do you serve others? Is our heart to go out and, and love other people? Or are we just so wrapped up in ourself, our life, our world that we don't even see those around us? Right, that's what he's talking about. So he's just like, okay, examine the fruit of your life. Like, are those things happening? Right? It's a process, it's, it's sanctification, we are a work in progress, but are we getting better by the grace of God? See, and there will be fruit. You know, recently, um, as I wrap up, my grandfather passed away about a month ago and went to the funeral. Um, and there was a man there that you know, I, I didn't even realize was a part of my family. Um, he was my grandfather's nephew. So we all call him Uncle Jojo. And, um, and Uncle Jojo is an amazing man of God. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know, but they, they said, hey, you got this other guy in your family. He's actually kind of like a pastor and, and, and you're gonna get to meet him and talk with him. I was like, great. And so he did the funeral for my grandfather. And again, I didn't know him. And, and so he, he told me, he's like, hey, I would play golf with your grandfather all the time. I would, I would go bowling with him. Here's the thing about my grandfather. My grandfather, he hit two hole-in-ones in his life. When he was 80 years old and like a few years after that, he hit another hole-in-one. Uh, he almost bowled a 300 game. And, she, and my Uncle Joe was like, you know, your grandfather was an extremely competitive guy. 
It's like, man, yeah, that's, that's like, that's pretty impressive. You know, that's pretty cool. Um, but he got up there and he said, you know, for months now, he's like, I, I, I knew, say, when he was a golfer, I knew him when he was a bowler, but I want to tell you about, say, and his love for Jesus. You see, out of all those years, I never saw this. Because I was so, I'd been away so long from the island. And for years, Uncle Jojo spent time with my grandfather. Unashamedly told him about Jesus. And just kept coming again and again, praying for him. And he says, Randall, he's like, I remember the night when he, he really... Just, he, it all clicked. And he knew he was gonna be with the Lord. He received Jesus, the work of Jesus. Here's the thing, I know, because I've seen it. Again, I said it last week. I've seen two funerals in the past month. And the only thing that lasts is Jesus Christ. The only ability to get you through this life is Jesus Christ. And so my prayer as a church is that we grow in a genuine faith and realize that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And by the grace of God, we get better because of a genuine faith in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray you will help us. We know that life is difficult. We learn that from the book of James. And I thank you, Lord, that you help us in our weakness. Lord, you don't just show us our weakness, but you help us in our weakness. And you became weak for us. So, Lord, I pray that you help us to continually come back to the truth of the gospel the message of Christ, and because of Jesus, we are beloved children of God. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.